0: Welcome to Women Wanting Women, where we explore topics that matter to women like us. We talk about being a woman, attracting women, and becoming more powerful women by developing more self-confidence and always reaching for the next level in our self-actualization. I'm your hostess, lesbian love coach Jordana Michelle. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, So you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together. Then also check out my website, womenwantingwomen.com, because it's packed with resources that can help you, including my guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life, a how-to guide for finding your lesbian soulmate, a quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her, a report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them, and a matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. But before I go any further, I have a question. What would you ask if you had access to the world's biggest database of queer female online dating patterns? Well, in this episode of Women Wanting Women, I interview Robin Exton, the founder of Her App. Her App is a dating resource created for queer women by queer women. Did you know that every day, between four and 5,000 new women sign up for Her App? Well, it's true. And not only is this total proof that hot lesbians are indeed everywhere... But it also means that the operators of this app know more about online dating in the queer female community than anyone else in the world. That's why I was so curious to get the founder of her app on the podcast to talk about everything she's seen and discovered about our community since they've launched. You can download her app free on your smartphone, and I recommend you do. But first, please stick around and enjoy this really fun and fascinating interview with her app founder, Robin Exton. Robin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to have this conversation. I'm so excited to hear your perspective and learn about your experience serving the lesbian community the way that you
1: have. Thanks for having me. It's great to be able to talk about all this stuff that we've like, seen and observed.
0: It's so interesting. So you are the founder of Her App. Will, will you just walk us through the beginning and explain what, what your product is and how it's different from other things that, you, that were existing before?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, at Her, our mission is to help lesbian, bisexual and queer people connect with each other and their community. So we do this primarily uh, through two different platforms. The first one is the app, and that is by far our like biggest reaching product. Um, the app runs on iOS and Android. Um, it is largely used as a dating app, uh, but it also has a big community component to it. So that community part is probably one of the things that makes it different to most other dating apps. So the community space is enabling people to add friends. You can find out different um, events that are taking place in your community. We actually have, uh, now I think it's 26 different sub-communities that are based on identity and interest. So you can connect with other people like you. Um, uh, The dating part of it works fairly similar to a lot of other dating apps. Uh, You see a profile, you swipe if you like someone, um, or you can move on to the next profile. Um, What I think makes us particularly different uh, for our audience is that we understand what it means to be queer and all the different components of your identity uh, and the different ways that you might like to define or express yourself. So we have uh, 16 different sexualities and we have 21 different gender identities. Um, uh, We also allow people to go outside of those uh, like predefined ones and express as you want to express. Um, uh, We share the definitions of all the different identities. I think there's often an assumption that if you identify as a lesbian, you will understand exactly what it means to be gender fluid or gender queer or to be pansexual. And a lot of the time people don't know. It's like words that are thrown around, but you don't actually know perhaps what it means so we include the definitions for that so
0: right just because we come out doesn't mean we're given a dictionary that explains to us how every single other member of our very wide ranging community understands this world and their own experience of the world exactly
1: half the time we're just trying to figure ourselves out let alone also like understand what that means for the other queer folks that we meet and interact with but it's especially in a dating context it's it is super valuable to understand it because you're You know, you're looking at a profile of someone who is saying I'm pansexual and you might not know if that's, is that a fit for you? What does that mean? What's this person trying to tell you? Right. Do you or don't you like
0: me? Yeah. If you're that, you know, do I or don't I have a chance with you then? What does it mean?
1: So the app is, um, the app has really been created to, to think really carefully and specifically about what it means to be a queer person and what kind of experience would make it the best safest most enjoyable place for you to connect with another queer person um and that's largely for dating like that's the main reason that people download an app to meet other folks is by and large for dating there's a bunch of people who will look for friendship like if you are queer or in the lgbtq community and you don't have a social circle of LGBTQ folks, it's really valuable to make connections through that for that. Um, And also especially if people are traveling or relocating, um, you kind of need to get your like queer posse together uh, and so the app can really help with that. And then the other part of the business of bringing people together um, is uh, typically through events. Uh, Currently in the time of uh, Corona, depending on uh, when this gets published, we are not hosting in-person events, uh, but we used to host a lot of in-person events in 12 different cities across the world, in four countries. Um, And the goal is to bring people together in person. Um, And I think, you know, you build really, you can sense chemistry, you build deep connections with people that you meet in person, and it really connects you to your local community, which I think is really important for LGBTQ folks. Like your experience being queer is a hyper-local one. You know, like the bars that you go to, you know, the, like uh, businesses that you've heard of, you have your friendship group in your area. So, you know, we want to like uh, create spaces on a local level as well. Um, And now because of Corona, we are hosting a ton of online events um, because we think that need to bring people together in groups is still there. So we do club nights, we're doing sex education talks, we're doing cooking nights. We've got the kitchen kink is running this evening um, uh, where we talk about kink and cooking. Uh, So it's like a huge, huge range of stuff. Uh, And it's all just, yeah, helping people hopefully to meet other folks that they like and other folks that are like them.
0: That's so sweet. And so are you able to see from, you know, activity logs, whether people really are connecting through the friend part of the community app? And are you able to track that?
1: Yeah, Friendship is actually used a lot. Um, I think that some people use it when they really just want to say, I fancy you. (laughs) And they will sometimes kind of like double down on the like by sending a like and sending a friend request because they're like, I really like you. Um, I think it's something like at the moment about 25% of our conversations that start on the app start through a friendship request. Um, And I think a large portion of those are like authentic friendship requests. I think the reason we have it in the app, is yes it is for friendship it's also something that is very unique I think to a queer women's community which is that if you go on a date with someone and it doesn't work out like the chemistry isn't there it's just not quite a fit by and large you'll often kind of like stay slightly connected or slightly aware of that person either because you're like I'm probably gonna bump into you at some point at something or like I'll find out that one of my friends has dated you or is about to date you or something, but you will quite often like maintain some kind of connection with that person on a friendship or like networking type level. And that is really unique to a queer women community. Like straight folks don't do that. Gay men often don't do that. Um, and, And so I think this idea of like a, even just starting as a friendship and seeing where a relationship goes uh, is super popular within is within our app, but also just within our community of, like, it doesn't need to be just dating. Like, I'm going to be happy with the friendship outcome at the same time. Um, and lots of other, like, audiences don't really have that same uh, result.
0: Right. We're such a small community that sometimes there's a sense of we might as well meet each other anyway because yeah. we're in this small community yeah.
1: together. So why not just say hello? Exactly. You know, the number one, like, complaint experience of like lesbian and queer women is like there aren't enough lesbians like uh, I've dated everyone like I, I see the same like 10 people again and again in the same places and if I haven't slept with them I know my ex has or I know my best friend has like and then pride comes around and everyone's like why the fuck have you been all year how are there so many queer women here now where are you the rest of the year where have you been hiding what's been happening right. um it's yeah and it's it's I, it's super interesting. It, it's like, there's this very like common, uh, feeling experiences or is certainly I would say like a, um, a mentality of scarcity, um, a mindset of scarcity, like there just aren't enough like women for me to find a me. Um, and I honestly, that's like one of my biggest missions and goals of the company is to like dispel that theory or that mentality is to like, have women feeling, uh, Abundant. Abundance. Exactly.
0: I feel the same way and I share the desire, to change that mentality in fact I've made my tagline for my company hot lesbians are everywhere amazing (laughs) and I give out stickers whenever I meet women the stickers I give out say hot lesbians are everywhere and I'd always do hashtag hot lesbians are everywhere just to change just to to have that be
1: yeah and it really is like a and you know I'm I'm sure that like other people experience that same mentality I just think it is uh, it's almost like a...
0: It's a self-fulfilling prophecy.
1: Yeah, and like it's a commonly spoken about thing and it's like the constant repeated.
0: When we repeat it, we also psych ourselves out, I think. So if you tell yeah. yourself that you're not going to find anybody else, then anytime we meet someone, there's that pressure to settle. And yeah. pressure to give her all the power over yourself because of the fear that if it doesn't work out with her, there won't be anyone else.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah,
0: to- a toxic mentality, I think. So hot lesbians are everywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> I think the reason people like tend to feel like that is just because often I think um, uh, women particularly gravitate to uh, community or to like habit. They like knowing what they're doing. They like feeling powerful. They like feeling like they're in a group or a gang or like a space that they kind of like understand and know. And I think... Women will explore outside of those boundaries, but often with someone else or in a way that like feels quite supportive to them. So if, for example, you are um, a sporting queer, like you're in the roller derby team and you uh, love that space and environment and you have dated a bunch of women that you met through that team. The likelihood is that's your gang that's your friendship group like those are the people that you go out with on a Saturday night you then meet other people through the league but then you'll go to the same kind of bars that they're going to or you go to the same brunches or you go to their houses for dinner parties so it's like typically you're hanging out with the same people so no wonder you think there's only like 25 lesbians in Los Angeles because you're hanging out with the same set of 25 folks and uh, I think women aren't as good at going like one realizing that but two being like Do you know what? I'm going to go to this like professional networking event that I've never been to before on the other side of town that might not even be something that I know that much about, but I'm going to, to learn about it, but also to meet a different set of people like as being like creatures of habit, you kind of create that bubble for yourself. And that is one of the really big upsides of apps is that it helps throw you out of that bubble pretty quickly. Um, but I think in our like day-to-day experience we tend to go to the same places and hang out with the same people because that's the company that we enjoy uh, and the people we like spending time with but it kind of fosters that um, experience for ourselves.
0: Yeah I think what's interesting about uh, same-sex relationship is that the qualities of that gender tend to get magnified in a lot of ways so females just back throughout history were good at community that's just something that you know, females are always pretty good at. And so then, of course, you take it in a same-sex relationship and that only gets magnified.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And I want to say that I really do agree with you that in a lot of ways the apps really does help with that very problem because it allows people a way to get around those those friend groups. I remember when I first came out and I wanted to be around other queer women, the only thing I really could do was – well. At the time, maybe that was just my own small minded thinking that the only thing I could do. Um, but what I would do is go to the local lesbian bars and there would be the same sort of cliques of girls all hanging out with each other. And, and w- in a lot of ways, I felt really left out of those cliques.
1: Yeah. But that's you can't you can only like you only know what you know. You, well, I guess the phrase is like you don't know what you don't know. And uh, you think of you know, how you have been socializing, perhaps before coming out. And so you think of like a queer path in through that way that you understand. So each individual will try to, when you start to kind of figure out your sexuality, you try to think about how to explore that in a way that feels safe for you. So if you, um uh, you know, enjoyed going to bars with friends, then you'll be like, great, I've got to head to the lesbian bar. This is my space to figure out and to be able to meet other queer folks. There's a whole other group of people who, and even before the dating apps existed, uh, you know, perhaps more introverted folks who just wouldn't be able to go to a bar. It just doesn't suit their personality. So they would find different pockets of the Internet to try and find other LGBTQ people like, you know, forums and blogs and like Tumblr was the really popular queer space. And, you know, to be able to follow another lesbian Tumblr and and chat off in the comments. And, you know, YouTube has become a super popular place for in the comment section, particularly, you'll follow a lesbian YouTuber, but then be able to connect in that comment space. But again, you're still within this same pocket of people, um, spending time with the same folks. Like for some people, it would be their company's LGBTQ, like uh, organization group. Um, or maybe you go to like lesbians-in-law uh, and you meet people through that. So everyone has these different routes that they go and do to try and like meet other people. But once you found some people, often you'll stop and be like, cool, I've got my gang. Uh, and you don't know where else you could be looking because you've only followed the path that you kind of initially thought you could be exploring to meet other people through.
0: And and I want to just, you know, just to validate what you said about networking. The truth is whenever I go to a networking event, I always end up meeting other lesbians there. Without It's not like it's a lesbian networking event. It's a regular. So really, no matter where you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're everywhere. <laughs> we walk amongst... <laughs> The queers walk amongst us all. We gravitate and find each other.
0: Hot lesbians are everywhere, for sure. <laughs> so that's really cool to hear that the uh, community friends part of the of the app works so well. And it's interesting that women, in a lot of ways, are using it as sort of a side door to romance, as opposed yeah. to the direct route.
1: It's awesome. But there's other places as well. There's spaces, you know, there's communities dedicated around gender identity. And it's really valuable. And it's so interesting. Like if you go in, um, in the like they, them, the non-binary community, you know, it's a supportive environment where if people are trying to understand their gender identity. They've got other folks to talk to and ask for advice and ask questions. There's a newly out community for people who have just come out or they're about to come out to their family and they're looking for advice around that. Um, but there's also spaces, you know. There's a lesbian community where, where like, people who identify as a lesbian connect with other folks who identify as a lesbian. I think it's just like creating a space for that feels right for you can be super valuable for your personal like development. And you know, most of the time, you know, it's only a small percentage of people that post in there. Most people are just reading. They're reading what other people have posted. They're reading the comments, and they're learning a bunch themselves by doing that. And there's obviously the more lighthearted stuff like pets and animals and mindfulness and well-being and. Uh, like uh, cooking and people sharing recipes and things like that.
0: That's really cool that there are so many people that are contributing, and then other people that are there just to read. And interesting, your perspective that you sort of get to see that as it as it's happening.
1: It's interesting because each community almost has its own slightly different culture. So um, uh, we have, I, I think, the strongest community in the app is our over 40s community community. Um, uh, it's just a, there's a there's a core group in there that it's quite wide but they're just they're super active they're super supportive of each other and they created this space that's like inclusive and welcoming to other folks as well and they've gone on like trips to las vegas together when we were hosting our online events like they were really great supporters of it and i think it's become a really valuable place for them as a group and almost like they kind of have ownership of that space together and then we have other communities like um uh, the and recipes ones. And there's some people who share like their favorite recipes. There's other people who just share pictures of their dinner every day. And it's a lot more kind of, there's a lot more sharing and there's a lot more liking, but it's not as discussion based and as like thread kind of heavy as the other one is. Um, so it just, it kind of, yeah, it like molds based on where people find value and probably just based on the early users and what they were getting as value out of it. And that kind of set the tone for each one. And it's
0: interesting. um, So you speak about this over 40s group where in some ways they really got to know each other in sort of a deep way. And you say that they're um, supportive of newcomers, but there's also this deeply ingrained culture and they've known each other for a while. So I wonder um, a newcomer would probably have to make a certain level of investment to really embed themselves in there.
1: Yeah, I think it's, there's a kind of a typical journey, especially when you've got a really well-established group. And this is, you know, it's the same from like in-person dynamics. If you meet a new group of women and they're super good friends, it's really intimidating and it feels scary to kind of tap into it. And like, am I part of the group? Am I not part of the group? How does this work? I think one thing that helps is because it's a lot of people, it kind of uh, doesn't feel quite as visibly clear in front of you that it's like these 10 folks, but Um, I think the typical journey that someone goes through in that community is you watch it for a long time. So a lot of people, when they first join that community are not going to be posting, they're not going to be like creating their own posts. they will probably just watch how does this community work and operate and is it valuable to me? Do I like it? They'll then start liking some of the posts that people are sharing or like the conversation that they're seeing. And then maybe start commenting on some of the stuff that other people have shared once you're like more familiar with how it works. And then eventually someone will create a post themselves we always want people to post. We want it to feel like a place where you feel you can post and it feels open and like uh, supportive to do that. But I think a lot of people, it just takes them a while to build up confidence, to feel like they understand the rules of the game and what they should be posting and what they should say.
0: So it's interesting. What you're describing sounds to me like maybe even a more socially appropriate way of doing it. But I'm wondering if it's true that all women know to do that because I can almost... The other person comes in and thinks, oh, people are posting. Let me just say what I think right away. And I wonder if how women would react to that the same way that maybe socially it's like, wait a minute, who are you? You just got here and you're like, you know, I wonder is,
1: Uh, is there openness uh, or? Yeah, there is. so like we, the more people post, the better it makes the overall community. So generally everyone's supportive. The only stuff that doesn't get a supportive response is anything that, Breaks the community guidelines, which is ultimately anything that's not like a supportive, affirmative language. Like we don't allow any hate speech, we don't allow any discrimination. So if someone comes in and posts something that goes against that, then uh, you know the post will be removed, and if they do it more than once, then their profile will be removed from the app. But generally, I think, especially if someone's coming and is going, hey, what's up? Uh, others will jump in and be like, hey, welcome. Like, uh, yeah, this is a space for you to be in and to like talk oh, and where about you and story yeah
0: that's nice that's really great um so what else have you learned about the way that women are interacting with each other on the app and, and like what has that taught you about how women inter- or not women but humans who identified enough in this sort of way to join the her app
1: so one of the i think the biggest thing that we have learned is women women want to date in uh our- a very different way let's say to gay men. Gay men is a very uh, clear and easy dating journey to map. Gay men are very clear what they want, they're very clear what they are looking for and they're clear on the steps that they need to take to make that happen and they will take the steps to make that happen. Um, I can kind of lay out that journey just to then compare it to what most of the users inside of our product and most of our community are like in the A lot of our users aren't exceptionally clear about what they're looking for. They'll perhaps um, on a kind of like deep down level be looking for their lifelong partner. They'll be looking for their person in their life. But more often than not, they will be saying on their profile, I'm looking for anything. I'm looking for friends. I'm looking maybe for dating. Maybe I'm looking for something casual. I'm looking for the long-term partner or person because all of those things are an interesting and positive outcome to them. Um, But the... Often the big driver of while they're there they're not even like consciously aware of what is that number one priority and therefore it's really hard to know exactly which actions you should be taking to get you like to that real goal and uh, they're often not taking the actions that would get them to that goal so we see quite a lot uh, for chrome in the app the you know like the conversion rate if you get a match to then actually start a conversation. Loads of people don't do that. And then if they get a message, they often don't reply to it. Um, so it's, we were just uh, in a conversation with this sex therapist and she you know, talks a lot about the difference of being socialized as a woman and the behaviors that you are taught as a woman, which is pretty much never to ask a person out, pretty much uh, never to kind of like figure out what you want and go for it and like, you know, really like pursue and push for it a lot of that circle women is like learned behavior later on in life and we don't have huge amounts of practice at it we're not super comfortable with it so a lot of what we have to figure out at her is like how to try and make it as easy as possible for women to meet each other in a way that feels right and good for them but acknowledging that you know you know they're kind of taking a different path to meet the person that's right for them it's not like you know guys on Grindr are like see the profile like them send them a picture on a dick ask to meet up in three minutes like dun dun, done whereas ours are like oh I'm looking at a profile I quite like this person I don't know I'm gonna look at it a bit more do I think we'd have a good conversation should I send like maybe I'll send a friend request and we'll see where it goes and then receive some likes back and then say okay if I've liked her like if we do match and get a conversation, does that mean that we have to go on a date? I get, should I like her now or later? Well or then, or then we do match and then should I start the conversation? No, I just made the like, like she can start the conversation. And then if she hasn't started the conversation, you're like, well, why hasn't she? Should I do it now? Or like, does it, does it look too eager? And then finally a conversation starts and it's this kind of like ping pong back and forth. So there's just like a lot more, um, ways that I think women are thinking about it, a lot of outcomes they're looking for, they're taking a lot of different steps to get to the ultimate goal. Um, and so we've got to try and help them with that.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny that you say it because we are if we are socialized, don't pursue, don't act out, then there's the one hand, which is our own fears potentially of acting out and pursuing. But then it's also the fear of how we might be judged by another woman if we're acting in ways that we were socialized not to act. So then is she going to judge us for behaving wrong when we act out, when we, you know, absolutely. It's, it's very tricky. Um, so what has been some things you've learned in terms of trying to help women bridge that gap? What are some things that you've done and how have some things
1: worked? uh, Some of the big, so even the community creation was a really big thing. It was like, okay, if you want, not quite at a pace where you're ready to like see the profile, like it, get a match, get a message, will create a group space where you can kind of see more people and explore a little bit easier what it's like to, you know, like a comment or to just add a comment to, to a post that someone made that you like um, and trying to help them have a, an easier like entry into a conversation. Um, the events, were a big part of that as well, of like acknowledging that if you're not uh ready to kind of yeah like match a message then maybe you'll go to an event in your city and that feels like a more natural way for you to meet other people and find potentially someone that you want to date it's
0: interesting i want to pause on what you said because i think it was really interesting when you talked about the community and the conversation starter within the group it's like this learning to initiate in maybe a less high stakes environment so they're talking to the community and not necessarily picking up one particular woman
1: yeah yeah absolutely and that so uh often on that like starting uh the conversation so with the fact that we would often have people who would have a match and then they wouldn't start the conversation what her does is after 24 hours has passed and if no one has sent a message we will put a question into your chat that you can both then answer that makes it more accessible it's like okay cool well you didn't Ask. I didn't ask, but hey, hers asked, so I can answer the question that they have asked, and that then often leads to a conversation kicking off. After that,
0: are you able to? Do you know the like how how well that's worked in terms of?
1: Yeah, it went. Oh, I can't remember the exact number because we, I think we released it like two and a bit years ago. But um, uh, at the time when we did it, I think it ended up increasing the like response and conversation rate by like eighteen percent or something. I was, like, frankly, if it increases it by one percent, that's like one percent more conversations that makes me happy. Like, we just got to keep like chipping away. One
0: percent isn't a bad start. And, and it's what seems like a big uphill battle. Now, it's interesting because one of the things that you mentioned in terms of what stops women from having that from starting that conversation is the socialized behavior and not and the fear of pursuing and how she might be judged by pursuing and then and just the fears of doing it. But there was this other sort of conversation in, in the head that you were describing that was interesting too of maybe not knowing even what we want or maybe swiping because I don't know, but then not really know. I don't really know what I want with this person is if you need to know in advance or something. Um, what more do you know about that other sides of the conversation? Cause you went deeper into the socialized behavior stuff, but I'm curious to know what.
1: I, yeah. I think um, uh, the difference of that one is I think a lot of humans don't know may not know what they're looking for like it's um there's a lot of work that people can do on an individual basis to figure out like what are the types of people I keep going for or what actually is it I am looking for in companionship or in sex or in love or whatever but I think that the reason I spoke about it before was also this uh like desire for connection to community and to stay friends and make friends with other queer women um and so uh, I can't remember the actual like number or statistic around it but on uh, on her when you sign up, when you're editing your profile you can say what it is you're looking for like if you're looking for something casual something serious uh for friendship for others and the vast majority of profiles on her uh say that they're looking for one thing that is romantic or sexual and they say they're looking for friendship so they'll have both of them uh assigned to their profile and i just think it's such a i just can't i mean i don't know because i don't think any of the gay guy apps have it i don't know if the straight ones do but I just can't imagine seeing that, uh, on those other apps or spaces. And I think it's just that seeking connection. There's a chance that when people say they're looking for friendship, it's, and maybe they are happy with friendship. Really. It's just, they want a romantic relationship, but friendship's fine. Or if I become friends with you, maybe I'll meet your friends and maybe I'll fancy one of them and get something romantic out of that too.
0: Yeah. Or all of the above, right?
1: Yeah. 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 I think that all, they're all just like good outcomes where, from what I understand from talking to like people who have used Grindr and the people who work on Grindr, I think a, a large percentage of their user base is clear that they're looking for something casual and physical, and uh, that's, the, that's what they're interested in, and, then, and they're not looking for other things outside of that. There's obviously like a large segment that are looking for relationships and dating and might be happy with something casual as a secondary benefit, but we have a pretty small percentage of people who are looking just for something casual.
0: People are really sometimes, I think, you know, fear of ending up alone or never finding someone is a uh, is a, a fear I hear about a lot when people are single. Yeah. Which then I think also leads to all kinds of suboptimal behavior and settling and clinging and all kinds of, it's a terrible story that we tell ourselves. If we tell ourselves, we're never going to meet someone. But I'm curious what you think about that in terms of what you're seeing.
1: I don't think we've ever kind of particularly like focused in or looked at that. I think that there's an assumption that if you are coming to an act like her or coming to a her event, you are seeking connection and you're looking to find and meet with other people. And the, you know, the often the motivation for that is loneliness of people being lonely and wanting to find comfort and community and connection. I like, we haven't ever particularly looked into that, within the app of like is there a greater fear that like down the road and down the line you're gonna um uh, end up alone I can only speak to it based on like personal like uh observation no I meant
0: are you seeing that eventually everyone finds someone and give everyone good statistics that eventually everyone gets off the app falls in love at some point and whether through yours or someone else's that's what I mean is
1: I would probably argue that less and less people are doing that that like uh more people are exploring different types of relationship structures or, you know, the, I mean the, the cliche for women is that they move incredibly quickly into a committed relationship uh, and too slowly out of committed relationships that aren't working well for them. But I think that there is a growing awareness of the problems around that. And I think people are getting a little bit uh, better at, I say that, and I still have had so many conversations with my friends of like, Oh fuck! are you hauling? It's just happening. I'm not. Don't know why I'm fighting it. It's just going to happen. Or uh, I've been in this marriage for too long, and I don't know if I should be leaving, or if I should be having an affair, or if I should be staying. um yeah, I don't. Know, it's hard that stuff. Like I, I, I think everyone uh, experiences. Uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to talk about marriage. I don't know anything about
0: No, marriage. I think that's who we are, right? I mean, I think in some ways, why fight it? Why fight it? Why not just understand it better? I, when, to when we're falling in love, the U-Haul is just coming out. It just is what it is. You know, instead of saying like, oh, we shouldn't do U-Hauls or that we shouldn't stay in things too long, it's just like, when were you hauling it? Except that we were you hauling it and then have a mechanism for, for figuring out when we're in that, okay, we're here too long phase and what are the solutions? Yeah. I think that now that, gay marriage is legal and we're starting to have the ability to learn what that means for us as a community and be out of the shadows and out of the closets and not be hiding you know we don't have elders to look to to tell us what does it mean when two women are in love and they try and make it work what does it mean
1: yeah that's very so true yeah kind of always drawing analogies from well I, I guess lots of people would join their analogies from what you see in the media and uh, even back to like, you know, our very basic sex education, it would never talk about LGBTQ sex education, but even beyond that, it wasn't even talking about like proper human education of like sex education and what that means for like intimacy and vulnerability and connection and relationships. Um, and so when most people are like, looking to understand uh, who I should be dating or what a relationship should look like or what good communication looks like, the only stuff that was out there was yeah, in the media or perhaps on the internet and it was, Rarely, uh, like explored through a queer perspective, and if it was, it was pretty much always through a white gay male's perspective, and very rarely through for like a queer woman or a trans woman or a non binary person, and what the fuck it looks like to have sex or explore a relationship or build a relationship or deal with a failing relationship. So, everyone's kind of figuring out as they go along, there's now. Thank God the internet, there's like a, a lot more stuff talked about and shared.
0: Well, I think that's the reason for this all. Yeah. I think in some ways we look back and yeah. say, oh, they didn't teach us about any of this. But I don't think anybody knew any of it Yeah, back then. And it wasn't until... You, you know freedom like information started really flowing Then now we have all these options and the question then becomes in tomorrow's world given that now even straight people get the option of whether they want to be polyamorous or um you know what their gender identity will be or whatever they can there's everyone gets to choose from all these options now it's so i think it just allowed it
1: to speed up incredibly faster like before that it would have been you know through books and publications would have been the only way to like gain knowledge and disseminate that knowledge to other people through press um and the internet allows it to happen within the minute rather than wait for an annual cycle and at the time where no one's accepted for their identity anyway so you can't write and publish stuff unless it's in a zine that's like secretly distributed or through the queer bars which just makes it very very slow to make progress yeah but not anymore
0: (laughs) No, not anymore. Now it's hyperspeed on every level. It's really an interesting time and you have such an interesting perspective. So, so what else are you learning about women coming together? This is so fascinating. I I feel like I could pick your brain for hours.
1: What else about women coming together? Uh, It's really different based on the country that you're in. So, um, uh, you know, I think uh, I'm living in San Francisco. I was living in London before that. I've been very privileged uh, to have uh, uh, amazing set of friends, a super supportive family. Um, and I've had the freedom mentally to think about dating anyone that I want to like any different profile of person, uh, to like figure out who I am gradually and like ask questions and get answers. And even that was still like slightly challenging for me, but I had everything set up extremely well for me. You then look at what it's like for someone living in Thailand or, someone living at like, you know, two of our biggest markets in Asia, um, are Indonesia and the Philippines and, uh, you know, like super religious countries and super different like social and cultural uh, setup. Like when you have less gender parity in a country, the concept of two women being able to be together and being able to financially support themselves and socially support themselves uh, is very different. So often uh, like in Thailand, you'll see couples will often be a tom and a d which is a butch and a femme and that's because the concept of having two femmes together just it's like well how how does that work how does that work within society it's just you know not really there yet so that's you know that's taking it through to different countries but even you know within the u.s it's a super different experience being queer if you're living in california or in new york than it is to living in uh, even in Alabama or in like you know, South Dakota or somewhere that the, the community support, the knowledge, the uh, awareness, the experience is totally different. Um, and your experience of coming out and trying to find a partner is completely different.
0: Cause people are so far away and so few and far between.
1: Uh, and you know, there aren't that many profiles. You're like kind of seeing similar people cause there just aren't, there aren't as many out people. And you know, it's why a lot of queer folks migrate to cities. Because it's not a super supportive and environment.
0: You know, it's also interesting about lesbians or queer females or queer humans who are queer enough to somehow be on the Her app. Um, is the extent <laughs> of these, you know, after the U-Haul comes the long-term relationships. But then if they're not, if they end up ending, then people are ending up on dating apps after being in another relationship for a really long time. So a lot of people getting back in the game after long-term relationships.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's and I think that's like uh, scary and tough sometimes. There's like a whole set of things to navigate. That one, maybe you haven't used apps before. Like I remember when I first started the company, um I was in San Francisco. I was fundraising for it, and I spoke to a bunch of different rich lesbians, basically, and was looking for angel investment. And uh, the number one, um, uh, and and then and probably still now most rich lesbians are older because they have had their lives to accumulate wealth and to you know grow their careers and so yeah the number one pushback on the product when I was showing it to them at the time you would log in using Facebook and they were just like no one will do that there's just literally like no way like uh, I've just got a Facebook profile and there's absolutely no way I would use uh like sign in with Facebook and why is that? they just because for privacy reasons they and, and to be fair this was like you know six years ago probably now so it was a different time five or six years ago so that the concept of signing in with Facebook was not something that they were familiar with so I think that just like you know if you haven't been using other dating apps or if you haven't been using other dating products that's a whole like learning process to go through of like okay if I do this it doesn't mean it's gonna add every friend on Facebook to join me on the her app it's you know like a different thing but it's, so this was before
0: everyone had already gotten used to signing in with to, through Facebook. To
1: well, I guess like the argument that I'm making is that I think older women hadn't been using dating apps at that time, so they weren't familiar with that behavior, because they'd been in relationships and they hadn't been signing up to like Tinder or Bumble, where that had been on those apps for ages, and lots of people kind of knew this isn't what's going to happen. But as you join the like dating app market, perhaps for the first time, perhaps because you've been married and been in a relationship for a long time, there's a whole load of things that you've got to learn and go through the cycle of learning from sign in to profile creation to like what's a good opener to how do I respond to someone? When is the right time to share my phone number? Should we just be messaging in her or should we be talking in iMessage to like, you know, just tons of different things that you're doing for the first time, which I think can be quite, Uh, overwhelming and intimidating and feel like you're learning the whole dating process all over again
0: it can and I totally respect that perspective the fear that oh no I have to learn something all over again but I think the reality that they're going to step into is however long their relationship was and you know the longer it is the more intimidated it can the more intimidating it can be to start dating again but what I think is so hysterical is what they're gonna find is that back in the day it was nearly impossible to meet women and the minute they get on these apps they're gonna be seeing all these women and they don't even have to go to the lesbian event to find them
1: yeah yeah totally but and but that i think is like it's a challenge for a lot of women i think because there's you know that especially if you're like uh, over 40 the, the main way you will have been socializing and meeting other queer women is at dinners and dinner parties and you're with friends of friends, and then you're single and you ask your friends, who can you set me up with? Like who else have I got? And there's comfort in that because there's a lot of easy trust that comes with that. The difference of then going into an app is like, how do I know this person? How do I know they're real? Like, how do I know like if I should meet this person or what's that like journey to go through? And they're like, there's a crap ton of people that I just had no idea even existed. But you, I think it can make people start to feel a bit insecure at first. And then as they, like, I think even just the first time you go on a date with someone from an app, it's like a transformative moment. You're like, this is insane. I opened this piece of technology. I met this person and now we're here having a drink and I would literally never have met you before at all. The world is literally my oyster, what an amazing thing. And then you carry on using the app and then you're like, I'm exhausted of swiping through all these profiles. I hate this. I hate these people. Why can't I just meet someone in person again? So you kind of go through these like, cycles.
0: I totally <laughs> agree with you about the cycles. But having come out in 2003 when the the things you'd have to do to meet someone, including the luck of your friends just happening to know somebody who is right, not to go back to the scarcity mentality, but there's way more abundance on the apps than I think anyone in the in, many decades ago would have ever experienced in their lifetime
1: absolutely But what what's hilarious to give a like good example of this like I remember when we were um starting the not starting this we were a couple of years in um and we were looking at doing a partnership with um an existing like lesbian organization and we were talking to them about uh the user base and how many people are on the app and at the time we had like half a million users you know or something like that and this person was just like I just don't think that's possible. Like I think it was in the US we had half a million users and they were like, I, how, like, where did you get them from? I was like, I don't know. Like, you know, we're doing a bit of marketing and like people want to meet each other. So they're joining. And then I think at that time we were getting like 500 new users a day. Uh, and she was just like, I, I don't believe you. I don't believe that there can be 500 new people per day joining. And you know, now it's like 4,000, 5,000 new users a day. And I think something that is so important for her and this world to do is to just show like the world there are this many queer women there are this many
0: Yes. I want you to stop and I want you to say that real slow and I want you to get it. Every single day there are five thousand new queer women joining the her app. Every day. Every day. Yeah. That's a huge abundance.
1: Yeah, so many, so many. And, you know, to be fair, that's, you know, like 50% of that is in the, in the U.S. But in the U.S. alone, to have 2,500 new women joining the app every day, is uh, there are more and more, like, faces and people joining. And uh,
0: and there are more single women. For anyone who's single and lonely, there are so many people out there with big, beautiful, open hearts that want to meet you. So that is so beautiful. I love, I love that statistic.
1: And there's more to get. There's so many more to get. Like, you know, it's always... Everyone has this big perception that uh, like uh, there's so many more gay men in the world than there are uh, gay women. And I think there are more gay men than there are gay women. But there's a lot more queer women than there are queer men. Like uh, for men, it's it's so it's so much harder to be a bisexual man. There's so much less visibility. There's so much less acceptance. And I think we're just starting to see the like growth and evolution of bisexual identity for men. But for women, there's this like, Huge and uh, like a uh, visible and well supported and increasingly better understood bisexual community of women and fluid women and pansexual women. And there's this much wider like a uh, pool of women out there and different ways to express sexuality and to look at it. Uh, there are just as many queer women, I believe, as there are queer men. And until we have as many active users as Grindr, there's still always going to be a lot more work for us to be doing.
0: You know, I, I happen to have a lot of guy friends, and I'm just one of those. For some reason, I just have a lot of guy friends, straight guys, not gay ones necessarily. And recently, over the last few years, I've had certain guy friends admit to me about sexual experiences that they sometimes have with other guys. Yeah. And they're not, these are not gay men.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's just like the acceptance for the conversation just hasn't been there. But I
0: know that I'm like the only friend they've ever admitted it to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also, like, let's not kid ourselves, right? The reason that women were able to talk about this and the more fluid sexuality was often because straight men fantasized about it and would encourage and support women to share about their like same-sex sexual experiences and relationships but for whatever reason it started it did create this like greater permission for women to explore their sexuality and for it to be like spoken about and shared about without any clear assumptions like i think the example i used to say was at university if i had you know, at that younger age when, you know, a lot of people are exploring or understanding themselves. If there was a guy who had sex with another guy, the assumption would be, well, then you're gay. That's like, that's what this indicates. And that's what it says. If a girl had sex with another girl, it would have been like, Ooh, get you. Isn't that exciting?
0: Well, it depends what she looks like too. Right. Because unless she was someone that already everyone thought was butch, cause that, that did happen in my high school where there was this one girl that was more butch, and it wasn't like anyone thought it was so exciting when she and this other girl got together. So it yeah, also too- depends on if you're, you know, femme and look a certain way, then it did definitely get a certain different kind of attention. Yes, yeah. And definitely positive attention. And in the 90s, all those girl kissing movies. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It definitely gave permission to 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 females before the males got it.
1: Yeah, I think having like those examples like did disseminate into the like worlds and lives of queer women. So on the app at the moment for all the users, five and a half million users that we have, uh, it's about forty percent lesbian identified, thirty percent bisexual identified, about five or six percent queer identified, and then the rest is all the other identities. So there's a huge like uh, you know volume of bisexual identifying women of lesbian identifying women and a large range of people identifying in a myriad of different ways
0: are you able to see statistics of how much best bisexuals
1: and lesbians are mingling with each other or does
0: it tend to stay in their own lane sort of thing
1: um the only stuff we've, we've done a bit of analysis but not a huge amount the only analysis we did into it i think was during um uh, bisexual awareness week um because i think there's a lot of um stigma and like by and uh, like uh, biphobia and we were interested you know would see a lot of complaints in the feed of you know people calling out bisexual people saying like you're going to cheat on me we wanted to see like is this actually a problem that people are experiencing uh in likes and in messaging um and it turned out that the most liked sexuality is bisexual women so they receive uh you know per 10 profiles that view them bisexual women get more likes than someone who's identified as a lesbian so the reality is although as a bisexual person you may uh experience you know a comment or someone making a judgment about you it doesn't actually impact them liking your profile um or starting a conversation with you
0: interesting now i wonder why if there's another reason why they got more likes does it skew towards them be for example like being more femme i don't know that femme get more likes than non-femmes um they just
1: we don't have um at the moment we don't have a way to like evaluate uh different like expressions uh through imagery however uh we are adding um uh, it will be coming out in june for pride but we're adding what's called pride pins to profiles so you'll be able to add to your profile if you do identify as butch as femme as androgynous as Cupac as a pillow princess as a stud as a stem like a bunch of different kind of like community representative like words and identity so once we have that in then we'll be able to see perhaps like how that varies based on how you express your identity
0: i'd be really curious to see also how women who are attracted to women behave compared to women you know behaving with straight um with men on apps um yeah yeah do you ever participate in any studies around this kind of data
1: have um we don't have any data about women interacting with men or about let's say our bisexual users and their behavior with men the straight apps or the kind of mass apps would be able to do that uh often what we've seen is that they don't care or think too much about their lgbtq audiences so they don't kind of look into that that much or at least it's not that I've seen uh they've done research and public like you know studies into it but I haven't seen anything from it
0: uh that's too bad because you have this great data on queer women and they have the great data on straight women and yet there's not studies being done cross-comparing them I think it would be really interesting to to learn
1: yeah the stuff the only stuff we've looked at is we'll chat with some of the guy apps so we're good friends with the gay guy products. So the team at Grindr, the team at Scruff, um, and we'll occasionally, occasionally talk about differences that we see in that kind of behavior. But we don't have anything on what happens in the middle.
0: <laughs> well, so what are you learning about gay men together?
1: It's just uh, kind of the stuff that I was talking about earlier, but everything is just so much more rapid. So we looked at, uh, to be fair, this is data that was from like two or three years ago, but um, uh, we looked at the average time to start a conversation, the average time to meet up the most commonly like talked about themes and it's incredibly stereotypical but uh I think it was so the average message length in a grinder conversation I think was like three and a bit messages and the average message length on her was like 36 messages or something and
0: before meeting up or just average messages legitimately
1: that was before meeting up because that was it was like I was thinking of this about how do you even meet up with someone in three and a bit messages which must just be like Locate, like meet up, location, see you there. (laughs) Done. So they
0: must be, they're obviously not, they're just, they're obviously just there only for one reason. Yeah. I wonder what that also reveals about the way that, that the humans, that the females are processing and the different data that they're processing compared to the different data that the gay men are processing.
1: Yeah. And there's other things to think about, just, you know, even in terms of safety, like most women are not going to meet up with someone until they've got a sense of like who you are because one, I need to know that to think about the experience I'm going to have with you. But two, I need to know you're not like um crazy or someone that I don't want to spend an hour of time with or someone that's going to make me not feel safe. So you kind of need that time to get to know someone.
0: So interesting that, and yeah. And I guess, and just making sure that they're not really a man that's going to kidnap us when we get there or something. Hopefully, yeah. Do you, I, I've had a, i have had I had an interesting experience many years ago where someone immediately started telling me how much they love me and then started asking for money. What do you call that again? There's a scammers. Scammer is a great word for it. Yeah. Scammers
1: or, um, uh, some
0: fishing, catfishing, catfishing.
1: Yeah.
0: Catfishing. Yeah. Do you have any, um, what happened? Did you see a lot of that? There has to be a lot of it. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. There's, you know, it's, I think it's across the whole dating industry. It's the number one problem that all of the companies are trying to address. Like we'd, Talk a lot across the different data businesses about how is there like a collective way where we can even share like the scamming practices that we're seeing so that we can learn faster as a cohesive set of data because generally you know like scamming is an industry it's a it's a business um, that companies are set up to do and to like find audiences of users and try and manipulate people to get money from them and this isn't just like a random joe sat at home pretending to be someone it's offices of people who are, like, coming into products to try and scam them.
0: Wow, offices.
1: To some extent, it's like an exercise of whack-a-mole. Like, you identify one pattern or behavior that the scammers are using at the moment, and you block all accounts or profiles and all behaviors that do that, and then they learn that they've been blocked, so then they create a different way to start, like, messaging people or start building profiles or start trying to reach out, and then you identify that, and you block it, and then the next one comes. So... There's, there's, I mean there's tons of things that we can do. it's just nev- you know it's it's just constantly having to respond to how they are evolving their practice and trying to pick it up as quickly as we can and try and stop it as fast as we can. So things that we do is we have uh, account verification inside of the app now so we ask people to replicate a pose and then we a human looks at that to see does this replicate what we've asked them to do so it seems like a real person and is it same as the profile photos that have been uploaded? We have like data, like we have models that we build, so like that, that recognize like patterns and behaviors um, of what a user is doing to try and flag if that profile seems suspicious, and then either automatically suspends it or asks a human to look at the profile to review if it seems like a sketchy one. We have a 24-hour uh, support and employees who are looking through these profiles to evaluate them. We have a team of fifty moderators inside of the app who are users, but who are actually looking at profiles and looking at behavior inside of the communities to evaluate them. So yeah, there's a ton of stuff that we are doing. It's just always trying to get better. And the other reality is, like, hers is a pretty small company. Like, we have a, a footprint that I'm like proud of that is large and significant, but we we're a team of ten people, and that is a team of you know three four engineers. So. If you compare that to, say, like Tinder or Bumble, they're a company of, like, 800 employees. <laughs> that there's like, you know, 300, 400 engineers. So there are, like, teams dedicated to this. So we, like, I, you know, our practices aren't going to be as solid and as robust as you will get on those other platforms. We do still do a crap ton of stuff, and it's stuff that gets better the whole time. And we will just, it's our, it's been our number one priority for this quarter with our, like, engineering that we're doing. So uh, it hopefully just gets better and better all the time.
0: I mean, it's, it's incredible that what you're doing to stop it, but what's so sad in general that like, you know, the way that they're preying on people's loneliness and.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's really hard to see because it's, but in some ways I understand that it's like, it's a whole construct, this person, especially the sophisticated ones, like they build a world and it feels like a relationship for all intents and purposes. And you have been completely misled by this person, which is not just about the like brutality of a like, financial sting it's like there was an i had an emotional connection with something that i thought was real and i'm having to get my head around the fact that none of this actually happened it's yeah it's it's horrible
0: it's really mean it's really really cruel especially i the my one friend who had happened to was a recent widow her husband had died and someone did this to her and it was even while it was happening she sort of knew it was happening and it, it was kind of obvious that it was happening but she was so lonely and yeah longing for something and it was so heartbreaking to see her go through it
1: yeah I mean, that's, but like, the scammers, right, like, this is their business. They, they know and they will look for vulnerable people to identify because if you're a 21-year-old and you don't really care about meeting someone and you're out getting drunk and partying, like, that's not a good spend of their time because they know this person's going to click out of the conversation as soon as they, like, go to a bar the next night and meet someone else, whereas, like, uh, when, you know, they're really thoughtful about, like, uh, is this a good person to try and dupe into a conversation?
0: Right, because they can find someone that looks like they have, you know, a job who seems lonely enough. And if they just say all the right things, they can start getting who knows what.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, is there anything else that you want women to know about, like that you would, that you wish every woman could understand and know to make dating and love easier and better for everyone?
1: I always think the biggest thing is to, uh, Number one, not take it too seriously. I think women tend to overthink every interaction inside of the app. They think, if I send this like, what if I actually don't really like them? What if I don't fully fancy them? It's like it's okay if you make a like or if you start the conversation and it doesn't work out. That's also fine. Like if you send a message and the other person doesn't like it, that's also fine. Like uh, nothing really. Bad. Why do you
0: think? Why do you think women are so? afraid of that and I know that sensation you're talking about is almost not wanting to show more interest than we have or something what, what do you think that what what do
1: you think that is um uh, I think it's I, I think it is overthinking it I think it's overthinking the outcome the interpretation the intention like uh, wanting to be authentic wanting to be like a uh, genuine and and make sure your actions aren't like misconstrued I think that the idea of the idea of sending a like it's like you're Tapping a button on an app that sends a notification to someone. This isn't getting down on one knee in a bar and uh, committing for life. It's, you know, there are more stages in the fun. And I think maybe it is just like less practice and less experience of knowing all the different stages of like courting each other and having multiple options and not having to choose one person and meaning that's the one person and going for it. So I just, and I, and yeah, less practice. So the more you experiment with it, the more you become comfortable with it. And the more you can be like, yeah, I can have lots of conversations with lots of people. I don't have any obligation to then date any one of these. It's absolutely fine for me to just have a chat and then maybe say, hey, like uh, I'm, you know, spending my time in other places, like uh, not gonna carry on the conversation with you. And I always like, I really respect people that do that to like actually close out a conversation so it doesn't get left hanging. Absolutely don't have to. If you just want to stop talking to someone, you can do that, it's fine.
0: How do you suggest closing out a conversation when you're
1: so uh, I always listen so the 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 I think like the theoretically wholesome way to do it would be to say I'm like uh, you know it's been fun chatting to you um, but I'm actually chatting to other folk so I wish you all the best right so just on as being honest yeah but I think other people will most people will not do that they will say things like um." Uh, oh, I've actually decided to stop dating for the moment, so uh, I'm not going to carry on chatting with you, even if they actually are dating.
0: Right, so they're lying, which you don't, which is, do you think that's worse or better than not closing out the conversation?
1: I think think it's better.
0: It's better to lie and close the conversation than to say nothing. Yeah. So saying perfectly honest is number one. Number two is lie but still close the conversation. And number three is sort of disappearing.
1: Um, I think that I'd like to be very clear. This is the opinion of Robin Exon and not of her. Yeah. <laughs> no, me. but I think you have a, I, I like, your list of priorities and it makes perfect sense. The best
0: thing to do is be honest. Second best lie, but at least close the conversation. So you're not leaving the person hanging.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes in those instances, it's okay to tell a little lie that makes it an easier conversation for everyone. You don't have to like explain your whole like social contract co- construct and like mental background and like why this isn't the right thing to you now it's okay to just say something that it's thoughtful to let the other person know i'm not going to be messaging you and uh, ideally you don't want to hurt that person's feelings so whatever is like the most approachable way to do that i always think the most fail-safe way to do it has been like it's been great chatting to you i don't think there's something romantic here for me but i wish you all the best that way you don't open any like um, skeletons in closets or cobwebs or get too deep but you just say it's been great chatting to you this is not a romantic thing for me
0: I love it. These are great pieces of advice. So don't overthink it. Send people likes. Just be friendly. And, you know, we don't have to overthink it. Just go forward and do it. And it's not the end of the world. And when you're ready to end a conversation with someone, really let them know.
1: Yeah. And I always think, just experiment. Just try it. If it goes wrong, who cares? we will do it differently the next day. There's, you only had to, like, try different things. So you've been going to the Derby team for the past, like, two years. Try going to the Queer Women in Law networking event. Like... If it's not good, leave. Like, if you don't see anyone you like, leave. Don't go to the next one. Maybe go to the, like, uh, volleyball meetup or maybe go to a nightclub and see what that's like if you haven't done that in years. It's like, if you don't like it, go home.
0: Absolutely, and at least you will have grown. Um, a teacher of mine always says that all growth happens outside of our comfort zones so just like you're saying try new things do new things this is such great advice where can women go to sign up for her app and where could they follow you and where could they learn more
1: um you must download the her app um it is in the apple app store and in the google play store uh just search for her we are also on all the social medias so uh on on pretty, pretty much all social platforms it's her social app and I am on probably the best ways on Instagram, uh, Robin Exton with a Y and, uh, yeah, I think those are the main spots.
0: Fantastic. Uh, you know, it's so great what you're doing for our community and just the body of wisdom and knowledge that you've gathered and you just have such an incredible perspective. So I'm really grateful that you took the time to contribute and share here.
1: Thank awesome. You so much. I'm thinking more about my, like, uh, there was a lot more, like, personal stuff and company stuff coming out, so I've got, like, lots to think about.
0: No, it was great, and I think especially the sociological perspective that you have from this position that you're in is going to end up, um, especially because I think that we are a community that very much doesn't have data. Having studied it, we don't know what it is to be a queer in queer relationships. It's part of why I'm doing the work that I'm doing and trying to explore what it means for two women to be together. And I think that you, of all people, have almost better data than anybody. Um, and I really, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful you let me pick your brain a little about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, no, totally, very big pleasure to do it.
0: All right, thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Bye. And now I would love to hear from you. We covered a whole lot of things in this episode, but I'm curious, what of the many things we talked about was the most impactful for you? Head on over to the blog at womenwantingwomen.com and let us know. And if you're interested in finally finding the woman of your dreams, so you could be best friends who learn and grow together and share your dreams together and have adventures together and share passionate intimacy together, then there are tons of free resources for you on womenwantingwomen.com, including... A guide to quickly and easily eliminate rejection from your life. A quiz to find out what qualities the woman of your dreams will find most attractive about you when you meet her. A report that explains the three biggest mistakes most women make when coming out and how to avoid them. And a free matchmaking survey you can fill out in case I already know the woman of your dreams. All of that is free at womenwantingwomen.com. And when you claim your free access to any of those things, you automatically become a Jordana Michelle insider, which will give you instant access to an email training series I created to help you get on your game to finding your soulmate faster and easier and to help you grow the deepest possible love together once you finally do meet. Plus, you'll get exclusive content and special giveaways and some personal updates from me that I just don't share anywhere else. So go to womenwantingwomen.com and check it out for yourself and share it with any other LGBT women that you think can benefit from what I'm offering there. Until next time, keep remembering that hot lesbians are everywhere, that love is real, and that the woman of your dreams is on her way into your life in perfect timing. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Women Wanting Women.